I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome back to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Mike. And this is Kate. We have a very special episode. It is not often that we have couples on the podcast. In fact, we've only ever, oh, well, twice. We've two times prior had another couple on the podcast for a four-way conversation. And today is the third time. And we have a really beautiful, loving conversation with Aiden Dowling and his wife, Jenna Lee Dowling. So Aiden has received national attention in 2015 when he was named the Men's Health Ultimate Guys Reader Choice winner. And this monumental event marked Aiden as the first transgender man on the cover of a mainstream magazine. Aiden is a speaker, including hosting the Boston Pride Parade's main stage. He is an entrepreneur with an incredible clothing line called 0.5cc, and he is also an activist. He's the co-founder and president of the board of directors for Point of Pride, a grassroots 501c3 nonprofit that has provided life-changing support to thousands of transgender people in all 50 states and 50 plus countries. And he is an incredible man, speaker, husband, and dad. Mm-hmm. And he is also Let's talk about his wife. a baker. Oh, a Gen- baker, yes. <laughs> you'll hear about the baking. You'll hear about the baking. You'll hear about the baking in the podcast. Jenna so Lee Dowling is a trained therapist. She has a master's in social work and energy healer who believes in creating and living your ideal life. She's dedicated the last decade of her life to her own self-growth and spiritual journey. And now she shares this healing with others. And she facilitates energy healing sessions in person or via Skype and FaceTime to those who want to rise to their true full potential in life, yet some Somehow keep feeling stuck and blocked from reaching that potential. She works with you to identify potential blocks and clears them using techniques like spiritual response therapy and Reiki so that you can live your life fully and stop feeling stuck in the past. And they have a beautiful child named Antler who joined us on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You'll hear Antler also. a few times. Overall, he did fantastic. He did really great. Ruby has joined us on the podcast before, but she has. I think Antler's only our second baby to come. I think so. And he did great. And in the episode, we talk about how they met and how that was for um, Aiden's family and what brought them together and Jenna Lee's history as a woman who, well, you'll hear about her dating in- history. It's very interesting. And being a trans man in the United States at this time, being a queer family and some of their hopes and dreams around their business ventures and, and sort of living in the question around that. It was really inspiring. Yeah, it was a good interview. It was. One part in particular that was like really touched me was when I asked Aiden about his unique experience having lived as someone who other people identified as a woman and also now having lived as someone who other people 
identify as male and how that gives him a really unique insight into the experience of being male and female in our culture and his, you know, resultant conclusions and wisdom from that perspective. So listen in for that part. Listen in for the conversation about paganism and how they use runes and the 13 holy nights exercise, which is coming right up how to start that. There's a lot of good stuff in here. So that's what I said. It was a good interview. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy. Hello, Aiden. Hello, Jenna Lee. And hello, Antler. Welcome to the Kate and Mike show. Hey. hey. This is the first time we've had a whole family on. <laughs> nice. We even have the cat here. Yeah. Anytime oh. anybody says the family, like Lucky comes up. in and meows and lets people know she is part of it. Also part of the family. <laughs> so right. the Antler is 13 months and how old is Lucky? <laughs> Lucky just had her sweet 16. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's an elder. She's very mature. Yeah. She She looks good for her age. She does. She's shining. So we were just doing, you know, doing a little research and brushing up. And Mike was exploring your swag website, your company with all the gear. And I have to tell you. I, I should show you. I don't think I showed story, you. Keep going. Which, so a couple, a couple months ago. I picked up Mike's phone. We were in the car and for some reason I couldn't find my phone because it always like falls in a crevice of my purse and I just can't find it. So I picked up Mike's phone to Google something and it showed me the most recent thing he had searched, which was the following. (laughs) It was men's fanny pack, (laughs) stylish. just about died. I almost peed my pants laughing. I could not stop laughing. Anyway, um, but he was just on uh, 0.5 cc. He was just noticed that you do, in fact, have a wonderful fanny pack. And he was like, I should have bought the one from them. Right. You should have. (laughs) Well, now we know. Well, I I need a waterproof one. Is it waterproof? Probably. I don't think this is waterproof. You need a super fancy. But it does say I am enough. It does say I am enough. Well, the I am enough fanny pack could be my daily because the waterproof one is when I'm riding a mountain bike. Right. Uh, It's like, and it gets wet. So I could get the I am enough daily fanny pack. There we go. We could combat your wife making fun of you. That's correct. But I could do (laughs) For Googling men's fanny pack. That's right. But but the thing is those sling, the over the shoulder packs are like in now they are right, right. They so are. i can just wear this over the shoulder you, right. you said I, you won't go out with me if i have a fanny pack on it's, true. it's a fanny pack but they're not like they're fanny packs worn in a new way the next search is going to be is it okay to have more than one fanny pack <laughs> <laughs> like the double pop collar t-shirts right oh my god the, i mean i think that's the perfect introduction to this conversation <laughs> <laughs> Like it is a whole, it is, uh, my whole thing is like, like, I don't know, like for, for whatever reason, my husband wearing a fanny pack, it like, it doesn't feel like a turn on to me. Okay. <laughs> I will just share that. And because right, maybe it's connect, it's probably connected to my feelings about masculinity or like Absolutely. the dynamic or, you know, obviously fashion, blah, 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 all the things. Right. And so I think it's like a perfect, you know, the perfect lead in to today's conversation. <laughs> but, but I would love to know, first of all, how long have you two been married? Been married for eight years in January, but we've been together for 10 years. And how, could you mind sharing the story of how you met? 
Yeah. You want to share it? I want to share it. Um, we'll probably both share different okay. pieces. I, uh, we were both online on YouTube <laughs> and he, back when we were doing this 10 years ago, it was rare to really like document your transgender experience on there. And so Aiden was one of the first doing that. And I, at the time, was a partner of another trans man that was also kind of doing that online. And so I created a channel. It was for partners of transgender people to document their own sort of experience and transition and have support, you know, just talking about different things that you experience within this relationship, exploring identity, sexual identity, different things. And so I had this channel and he and his partner at the time were watching the channel and Aiden was making baking videos and I love to bake. And so I went on there looking for recipes and we became sort of like platonically involved, like friendship. Him and his partner were coming through the city of Miami, which I was in MSW school there. And my, me and my partner were living together. And we were kind of all like, let's get together for breakfast because we've never met another couple that's transgender, cisgender. It just it's was so rare. different back then. Like you didn't know people that were also living in this this lifestyle and so it was like this thing like let's get together because we've never met anyone else you know anyways we had breakfast so we met each other in person I didn't really hit it off with the girlfriend he didn't really hit it off with my boyfriend um, but we kind of stayed mutually friends and I remember reaching out for like a pumpkin recipe or something bread. and pumpkin. it just so happened that like we were both on like the end of our old relationship breaking up with the other person we started talking more and more more and then we were kind of like which one of us is going to admit that the other person likes the other person first you know it was just we called it the elephant in the room yeah who's going to talk about the elephant in the room because we were both just not really ready to be in another relationship but we also were clearly like gravitating towards each other so we dated online for a while until i finally got the courage to say like i'm on break from school come and see me let's see what this is yeah. and so we we did we kind of just had that like winter break <laughs> of mine from msw school and never looked back what is msw it's a master's in social work oh okay that's a very sweet story Thanks. Yeah. So we met online. Right. Not about the baking. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, so is October like a special month for you two? <laughs> the pumpkins. I mean, I mean, January is more special because that's we got together in January. Technically, got together. But yes, we still and we got married in January. We still make too. pumpkin bread, and you know, we we kind of celebrate the new year for Halloween, anyways. We've always kind of done that. We like pick rooms and like talk about the year ahead, and so it's been a special time for us. But I wouldn't say like anniversary wise. Well, now Antler's here. What was that? Antler's born on the first, so we went into labor on. Well, we yeah, she went into labor. That's true. I, we thought Halloween. he was going to be born on Halloween, but he didn't come until way late the next afternoon because I was in labor for a while. Oh, oh wow! Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me about celebrating the New Year in October. I'm curious about that. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I've so I've heard about that before, despite my right. You know, so I, I want to I want to share this little story first. So when I met when I went to go see Jenny Lee, my mom was very skeptical 
because it was someone she'd never met. And I was flying from New York to Florida to go see some girl. And I remember like, she was like, well, let me like, who is she? What is she about? And when I first met Jane Lee, she was a practicing pagan at the time. And so I was like, and my mom is very Christian, but you know, she kind of was just like, like dating a pagan was probably the least of the, of the odd things I've done in my life. Uh, so I think for my mom, it was like, oh, okay. She, she believes in God though, right? Yeah. That's she, what she, she asked. Believes. Does she believe in she God? Believes. Oh. <laughs> so that aside, it was kind of like, uh, okay. And so that's the pagan new year is Halloween, right? Or technically yeah. the day. Of well, the it's Samhain, so it would be November first. But you kind of like celebrate through the night because the the veil between the world, the spirit world, and the human world thins, and mm -hmm. you kind of can connect with ancestors and spirits. And uh, my father passed away within the first year of our relationship, so we were very much like, oh, let's connect with right because you know, that had happened my dad. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, what, sorry to interrupt you, but like, what is the basis of paganism? Is that a thing? Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's, you know, really like believing that there's more than one God and that they're not all men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? And like what I learned, from, I liked it. Right. From what I've learned from not being a pagan, but just learning from her, like from an outside perspective, it's like, there's that, but there's also just this like belief in like energy and like correlation between human bodies and energy bodies and a big celebration around seasonal changes. So, which usually fall around like Catholic or Christian holidays because they're actually like paganism was like way before right. all of that stuff. So like, yeah, there's something around Halloween, there's something around Christmas, there's something around all of the things. And so, you know, it was really intriguing to me. It was very cool and interesting to me because I was, you know, I was always definitely into astrology and just like other things, but I didn't really have any language for it. And I wasn't surrounded by anyone like that. I was grew up Catholic and went to Catholic school. So yeah, it was kind of like very far out and interesting and very like, Ooh, like what is that shiny thing? I want to touch that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that's why I was drawn to your do less stuff because it's all about seasonal change. Right. So yeah. Anyway, just a little tidbit there. Yes. It's a hidden under there. It's yes. I, <laughs> it's uh, it's really like earth-based living hidden as productivity. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So you good, were on good, uh, marketing line. We should run, run with. Yeah. You should keep that one. I like it. Uh -huh. The marketing is the fact that I don't talk about it. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so own. that people come in and then they're like, oh, oh. wait. I'm like, oh, because the people who are going to be into it are going to be into it. Yes. But I'm wanting um, to also gather the people who are like, really in the Simone, really? And yeah. then they're like, oh, wait, maybe. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. We so get that on a fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. So Aiden, you were saying you're on your way yeah. and your mom is feeling possibly skeptical. And then right. were you telling a thread of the story before we interrupted and asked about paganism? Uh, no, no. I think it was just, you were asking about the new year. So I was right. saying, okay. right. So that's how I learned about it. And so with Halloween is the pagan new year. And we, within the first year of our relationship, we draw ruins, which are different symbols that symbolize different things 
for each month of the year to kind of like prep us in a way yeah. for the year. So we can be like, oh man, like summer looks rough. You know what I mean? We, like, we need to call an extra support this ex- summer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, that's been a tradition for, honestly, it's been a tradition until we got, had a baby on on Halloween. That was the time that we didn't, we just didn't have any time for it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you were going through labor. Right. Isn't that amazing that that was a time, you know, that, like, it's amazing that Antler was born right as it shifted over into the new year for you in your tradition or in your belief system. That's really beautiful. Yeah, it is pretty Um, beautiful. I've done a, a similar practice for the 13, it's called the 13 Holy Nights and picking a different divination card. So it starts mm. on the solstice and you pick a card, a divination card every night at sunset for the for 13 nights. So it goes like a few days past Christmas. Right. I could do the math, but <laughs> like a little bit into early January. And like, and then each thing that happens throughout that day becomes a portend for what will happen in that particular month during the year. And you kind of take notes on it. And then it's really fun to go back. That's cool. Or with the runes to go back and be like, oh, what was this month going to be about? And it does give you a little insight. And, and I find it very grounding structures like that. Right. Right. Maybe we should try that since we no, didn't get like a chance that. to do, do we didn't runes. get a chance to do the runes. <laughs> well, I just, I like to know what's coming. Even if I don't really know, I just want to act like I know so I can somewhat be prepared. Yeah, I also like to pretend to know what's coming. Yeah. That's why I'm so obsessed with planning. Um, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so can you talk to us just from like a basic perspective, if you don't mind, and if you do mind, you can say so. For our listeners who may not be as familiar with the transgender community, like what mm-hmm. your experience of that, what does that mean for someone who's not in community in relationship with somebody who's transgender? Right. So transgender, like I, you know, transgender is an umbrella term, so it can mean a lot of different things, but I always stick with like the more 101 thing, like going in, knowing this, you'll be able to navigate that space more appropriately. So transgender just means that the sex that you were born at birth, you don't identify with. So my example is I was born biologically female, but I identify as male. So my sex is female, but my gender is male. And like sex is just biology and gender is how we're perceived in society. Right. And then sexual orientation is something else. Right. Sexual orientation is who you go to bed. So, so a good description between like sexual orientation and, and gender identity is, you know, sexual orientation is who you go to bed with and gender identity is who you go to bed as. I love that. Wow. That's so yeah, that's my favorite very explanation. Cause this is very easy to digest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's clear. And so how old were you when you realized you were transgender? So, you know, you most language for that, but right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a lot of, a lot of, you felt uncomfortable being in the body you were, no, 
I don't know. We have you to know, ask. I don't, it's like, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, like when did you realize you were uncomfortable in the body you were born as, right? Uh, yeah. Or didn't identify with it? I mean, that's actually an interesting question because that's a much different question than when did you figure out you were transgender, right? Oh. Because like, as Kate said, like transgender involves language, uh, it involves knowing something, <laughs> you know, like being aware. So, I mean, I've, you know, my story is a little different in that a lot of trans people really identified as trans when they were very young, you know, they were like four or five, six, and they were telling their mom and dad, or, you know, like, mommy, I want to be a boy or I want to be a girl. I didn't really have that experience. I definitely fought against dresses and all that stuff, but I was just labeled a tomboy. I have two older brothers and my mom was a single mom with two jobs. So I kind of got some free passes as far as like, as long as I wasn't hurt or in trouble, I could do whatever I really wanted. You know what I mean? So I really was just a tomboy and fell into that role a lot. And then I actually identified as a lesbian. I self-identified when I was like 12 or 13 and then came out as a lesbian when I was 16. And that's when I started to like express more in my dress because I was like 15, 16, started to like be able to buy my own clothes. And I was like stealing my brother's clothes and very classically like, stealing a sweater and spilling something all over it and <laughs> ruining his clothes. He still uh, has uh, stories to tell about that to this day. So I was a lesbian for like seven or eight years. And then I came out as trans when I discovered what that actually meant when I was about 22. So I'm 32 now. So about 10 years ago. So it's kind of interesting because I've actually lived my life more as a female body person in the world than I have as a male in this moment in my life. Yeah, and when we met you at the BirthFit Summit, you were speaking on the panel with Mike, right. and you shared something that I thought was really profound, which is out of all of the men on that panel, you were the only one who had also had the lived experience of being a female in right. our society. So this is going to be a, a question that you can take any direction you'd like. I, it's more of a prompt. <laughs> um, do you mind sharing like some of your insights from having lived as a woman and now living as a man and just, it's a very rare thing to know what both of those are. So can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. And I'll preface with this, with the fact that like, I know what it is to be born a female and be raised as a female, but I don't know what it is to be born a male and raised as a male. So my male experience is purely based on what, society and you know what society told me like so my mom and dad got divorced when I was very young I didn't have a close relationship with my father but it's not like he wasn't in my life completely so I didn't have like a real male figure in my life so my masculinity you know was really originally brought on by like emulating what I saw on tv or magazines or rock stars or movie stars you know what I mean so I have the lived experience of being raised as a female, but then have, but then living in society as a male, which is still two very different things. But I like that to be clear because, you know, oh, hey, there is a difference, you know? There's a red button on this microphone and he's, Antler's dying to get to it. Like he is just aggressively wanting to touch this red button. It's pretty funny. I feel like he's doing so great. Yeah, he's great. Oh, yeah, I know, no, no, it's just funny. Right. Yeah, he's, he's pretty he's awesome. He's a pretty good guy. Um, so, you know, some of the things that I, I learned about the differences is like, you know, misogyny exists. Like, that's a real thing. You know, so does male, like male privilege is a real thing. 
and you know locker room talk is a real thing like a lot of the things that we talk about that women talk about are real they are experienced and you know one thing i definitely noticed is being raised as a female just my self-confidence you know was always diminished when i was a girl uh, I was, you know, I played sports, but I could never go anywhere with those sports. So I could play sports all I wanted, but I, it, I was never going to get to college and graduate and, you know what I mean? Sorry, he's distracting me a little okay. bit. Okay, he's all right. He's, he's got some he's things to add. Right, right. No. Oh, hey. Whoa. There's a bunch of other toys. <laughs> He likes oh yeah, he does. He has his own divination deck here. Uh, <laughs> love divination decks. Right. Just like he like brings one over and we're like, oh my gosh, this is everything we needed right now. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He reads our cards every day. Guys, just like, oracle. Nice little, right? Nice little bonus. Right. It's like Mother Mary card of awakening and we're like, this is what we needed. <laughs> um, so... But yeah, so I think like, you know, just the differences are real and, you know, just as women, we're raised to to really believe that, you know, you won't be successful alone. Like you, you need to have a community or a partner or, a, you know, something, you know, and, you know, it's unfortunate. And, you know, I really noticed that one big thing I noticed was, you know, just the fact that once I became seen in society as a man... I suddenly like got heard more often or the eyes were more like towards me, which is interesting because before I just fell into the crowd, you know, and as Jane Lee said, I was a baker. So I worked with a lot of women and it was like, there'd be like eight of us and everyone would put their opinion in. And then I would say something and everyone would actually look at me and acknowledge that I said something. And it was, I remember making a video about it and being like, it's so weird that like people are listening to me. Cause I wasn't used to it. You know, it was like, I had this male privilege that I didn't even know how to use. It was like having a Corvette and being like, I can't drive, but it sits there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so it was like something that everyone perceived, right? Cause it's like, oh, you perceive like, oh, you know, they must know how to drive that car or they must be rich or whatever. But, you know, so it was like, I was perceived as male, but I didn't know how to actually use that the way that I think a lot of men are taught just growing up. So it's, it is interesting. And, you know, it's also, you know, it, it, I think it made me realize a lot about how we raise our, our women, our young girls, but it also made me realize a lot about how we raise our young men too, because it just made me realize that, you know, we have such, such interesting standards for both sexes that are so like, not necessary um, and they really like I think they hinder a lot of people so it's just been really interesting to be an adult male now you know like white cis passing heterosexual looking you know guy it's it's definitely different than being you know especially when I was a lesbian I mean I was like a lesbian like you walked in the room and people were like okay I know what you're about. I got you clocked. You know what I mean? Um, so it's definitely different, different now than it is then. But I always like talking about it because different people have different questions about it because it is different. You know, there is a, a difference between the two. That, I mean, I just, just even listening to you, like, I don't know, like listening to it's, it, there's an aspect in, in hearing you as a white man acknowledging that 
is actually like really healing to me. <laughs> just, I mean, just noticing the difference because I've never talked to a man who actually understands what it's like to be raised as a woman. Like right. really. Right. So I just keep talking about that. Like it's so major. I mean, like one big thing that always stuck out for me that I think back on is like, my mom used to always tell me to walk like a lady. And I just never really understood what she meant. Like, and as I got older, I would ask her, you know, like, what do you mean by that? Like, what does that actually mean? You know, like walk like a leg. Am I walking too long or my strides? You know, what should I look like when I walk? So, you know, that it's just like, just the commanding that I think a lot of women go through, they're being told a lot of things, you know, they're told how to walk, they're told how to dress, they're told if they're dressed too sexual, they're told if they're not dressed sexual enough. One thing, like the number one thing that happened when I transitioned was that I had less stuff to do, period. Like I did, I could, like I could walk out of the house, like to an event with like t-shirt jeans and put on some like nice shoes and I'm done. Hey, like, I could have a scraggly beard or not, like, you know what I mean? Just even yesterday, my mom had an event and I like had sweatpants on and I was like, let me go change. And she's like, you look fine. And I'm like, ah, the, the beauties of being a man. I can just go to an event with sweatpants on. Nobody, nobody cares. You know what I mean? I would um, have something to say if Mike were going to an event. <laughs> <laughs> I would have commentary. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> but that is amazing. That is amazing. And then, generally, what is, oh I mean, uh, you know, uh, have you been married before? No. Okay. Because uh, I was going to say, what is it like to be married to, but in partnership with, and, and have, did, I don't know if it's okay to ask this question, but did you date prior to Aiden um, cisgender men sometimes? Um, types of people? I, I dated one, um, but it wasn't really a long-term serious relationship. I mostly, well, it's funny. I always say I tried to be a lesbian. I tried. I tried so hard. Like every female I got into a relationship with, and the first one was in high school, every single one transitioned. Every single one came out to me as a man and said, I identify as a man and I want to transition. Mm -hmm. So I've just, I tried to be a lesbian, but I'm just not like, and, and so I went through a really big identity crisis around just like, what does this all mean? And I, and, and, you know, I'm just the type of person that's love is love, you know, like I'm not attracted to genitalia. I'm attracted to the soul, you know, like, and the genitalia is just part of the soul. And like, you know, so uh, it just always, for a long time. And again, you know, I'm 35 now and I was 17 when I dated the first female that I ever dated. And it just kind of has been at this point, a really big soul searching journey, you know, within this community. And, you know, we've been having recent conversations about how even to this day, because we've been together 10 years, there's not a whole lot of support for partners of transgender people that, don't identify a certain way that aren't also trans themselves or on the gender spectrum. You know, I don't even know what to hashtag. That's what I always joke about. Like there's, you can tell it's not a thing when there's not a hashtag with right. like at least a thousand. It's like fewer than a hundred. You know, yeah. like, like I'm like hashtagging like 
cis and trans couple or like, you know what I mean? Like it just, right. there's nothing that is, that feels supportive. And I had made a post about trans awareness week from a partner's perspective and got a lot of hate. I got a significant amount of hate and I just was really tough because I, I've been in this community, a part of it for so long and have never felt truly seen and truly supported by my community like oh you know i made the statement i'm going through a transition too you know with my trans partner and i always have been and you know just because it's not the same transition and just because i'm not you know shifting my gender doesn't mean it's not a transition so it's yeah it's just been a very interesting journey in that sense yeah sounds like should you care to lead that there's a great opportunity there right but thanks. you don't have to yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's it's a great reflection yeah and i think even with the how we met story you know i i was attempting to to set that support up like on youtube and everything like that and then yeah like it just occurred to me during that trans awareness week which was so recently that like oh wow so this is still a thing so yeah thank you for that reflection yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do have a question about that for the two of you is like how, cause there is a lot of hate that comes right. your way. So like how, what do you do to remain sane? <laughs> you know? Well, it's, it's, that's such a great question because I think, so I went through a lot cause I've been advocating for, you know, actively um, as like a full-time thing for the last five years, ever since like I hit the cover of men's health and was on Ellen. Like it was just like, okay, this is, I guess what I'm doing. Right. So I experienced a lot during that time and I went through a lot of self-work and self-reflection and getting over like, you know, like they say, like out of a hundred comments, one person says you suck and you're like, ah, you know, like Panda Bear 516, I hate you. Why did you say that about me? You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, just trying to realize like, you know, someone told me that like, you know, I once heard an example, I forget who it is, but they were saying how like, you know, sometimes you do want to preach to the choir because the choir is there to listen. And if you're preaching to, you know, the quote unquote, like, you know, using that metaphor, like the atheists, like they're not there to want to be converted. They're there to fight you and argue against it. So, you know, like you have to pick and choose, you know, when do you, you know, when are you there to really motivate and uplift the people who are there listening? And when are you going to like, you know, like if you're doing a talk and two people leave, like you're going to stop the talk and be like, hey, you two, what can I do to make you stay? Meanwhile, you've got like, you know, a hundred other people who are there listening to you actively. So, you know, I went through a lot of that then and Jaylee's kind of going through that more recently as her following grows and, you know, her, you know, her message gets spread more and more. So I feel like, you know, one thing that I've noticed is I always just take the time to have like an educational conversation. That's usually what I try to do. And it usually works in my favor because, you know, when you come at somebody with like respect and the concept that like this person's usually just more ignorant and not ignorant in like a year less than just ignorant in like, hey, you just don't know, like I'm ignorant about a whole lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, so I just always come at it from that perspective. And what I think has happened is then I'll highlight it like on my story or I'll make a post or something. And then I think it kind of like triggers other people who might want to engage in that negative talk with me that like, oh man, like he's not gonna, 
he's not going to do that. Or like if someone writes something really nasty in my comments, like I delete it because it's my Instagram. You know what I mean? Like, because I don't want to go be going through my comments, trying to engage with people who I, you know, who see me and like, all of a sudden, like you suck comes up and this is like, I don't need to see that. Like, see you later. Bye. And I've noticed through other people, like the more you engage, the more it comes at you. You know what I mean? So yeah, I just, it is hard when, you know, you get an email that says like, uh, you're like your son isn't your son. I, you know, you should be ashamed. You know what I mean? Like it's hard. Like it is hard. I, I will admit that, you know, it's not easy, but at the same time, it builds up a sense of resilience and confidence because, you know, if you're not going to stand up for yourself, you know, no one else will. So it's kind of like, okay, like just, you just have to learn how to let it roll off your shoulders and know that like, all right, my message is not for you. Like, see you later. Bye. You know what I mean? Yeah. And each one of them. (laughs) Bye-bye. Antler says, (laughs) bye-bye. See you later. (laughs) Bye-bye. (laughs) um we we just figured out that each person that says something to us has a purpose and that purpose is to help us evolve and you know just being able to to really see it that way i mean we don't always see it that way in the moment don't get me wrong but you know ultimately we can kind of reflect that to each other and sometimes it's really it's really helped us heal and really chelate our egos and you know really kind of name like okay so this was like a deep dark thing that I thought about myself and this person just named it and you know really being able to hold that and admit that to each other and sometimes to the public if we really feel like that comfortable with it sometimes we don't but to each other we do that all day and it's exhausting you know but we've come a long way and we've you know just gotten so much from it in terms of just evolution and just becoming our best selves. Yeah. Haters definitely help you grow. Yes. If you, like, if, <laughs> if you, you let them, yeah, if, if you, you let them, <laughs> because it's true. A lot of it is just reflections of what you already felt. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, you're like, Oh man, I hope, I hope someone doesn't like say this or say that. And then usually that's what somebody says, you know, because you kind of, cause we're that fucking powerful. Yeah. It kind of attracted that shit to you. you know? I remember it was like <laughs> five years ago, Kate and I were having a conversation and she was expressing to me like all of these things that she was like having a hard time with, you know, everything that was taking place. And I think it was not even two days later, this person wrote in an email or a comment on all of them. it was all of it on her website but it listed every single thing it was literally like the person was sitting in the room with us and she listed all of the things about why kate needs to like grow up type of thing. wow and wow. we were like it was on i was like holy smoke it was crazy yeah it was unbelievable yeah, yeah. how much it synced up from her telling me and then oh surprise i wrote no just kidding um but like <laughs> mm-hmm. the person wrote in about all these things Wow. It was like, it was, yeah. And it was a big, it was a big moment. And since then it's been a lot of growth that's come from that, of course, but. Right. But then what about the times when they're really just assholes? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right? yeah. I mean, transphobia is a very real thing. Very real. Phobias are a very yeah. real thing. Right. Well, the people who hold them think they're real. Anyway, like they exist in our culture. Right. Absolutely. So like, do you think that transphobic comments are, also an opportunity for you to grow well yeah because then i get to control who i let in and who i don't so that's where the deleting comes in like deleting isn't just to delete right like deleting a comment is like a 
reclamation of my self worth and who, you know, like setting my boundary. That's like, Hey, like you, we can have educational conversations and you can disagree with me or agree or whatever, but I'm, I'm not going to let you just come in here and blatantly insult me with that or my family without any, you know, and, and let that kind of stay on the wall. You know what I mean? So I always feel like, yeah, it's always an opportunity. And sometimes I'm like, Oh man, is someone to call me out and be like, why'd you delete my comment? You know what I mean? And then I, but then I'm always like, yeah, I'm just going to write like, cause you hurt my feelings and I don't want to read it anymore. You know what I mean? I've noticed that just being like extremely honest, you know, people call it like vulnerable, uh, which it is vulnerable, but like, it's just honest. Like if you just actually say what you're actually feeling, most times that gets communicated to the other person way better than, you know, sometimes trying to be like too educational. You know what I mean? Well, we're not conditioned to do that, right? It's like we're right. not conditioned to actually say what we feel. Well, you know? I'm very feelings based. Yes. So I always say what I feel. And sometimes I say, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And then I say it and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> and generally, are you as feelings based? I definitely am as feelings based. I won't say that I'm as outspoken <laughs> as Aiden is with my feelings. I do a lot of like internal processing and Aiden does a lot of external processing. Yeah. Usually and so sometimes, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, but it's, you know, he teaches me to process out loud more, which has been really good for me. And what about processing out loud? So there's processing out loud in partnership, right? Mm -hmm, there's processing mm -hmm. out loud with our friends and family. And then there's processing out loud in public on social media. Right. So I, for example, <laughs> thought, right, they're all different, all valuable in different ways. And generally, I saw you posted about your breastfeeding journey and you've been talking about it a bit. And I don't know, it was maybe a couple weeks ago or I, I don't have a great. Yeah. Message. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Maybe last month. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious for you. You, I, I think like you haven't historically been quite as public of a figure as Aiden, but that seems to be shifting. Maybe mm -hmm. like, yeah, <laughs> um, I don't want to assume things, but yeah, yeah. So how's that going for you? Just being more public and processing outwardly and, and sharing things that are controversial. I don't know why anybody gives a shit how long we breastfeed our babies, but apparently that's a topic for conversation. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's called sexualization of infants. Something that we love to do in our society. It's really uh, up. It's, well. Can you explain, can you explain Aiden, that for Mike and others? How I feel people sexualize their babies. Well, just yes, what the sex sexualization yeah. of infants. Yeah, what right. That? Like that's the shirts that say stud muffin, or the shirts, uh, the onesies that say my daddy owns a AK forty seven or whatever. I don't know very much about guns, so just something. You know what I mean? That's you know when we say to if a little boy is talking to a girl. They're like, oh, they're flirting. And it's like, they're communicating. I don't, I don't think they're flirting. You know, flirting, usually there's an intention there. You know, another thing, just kind of being trans and being raised female and then kind of looking at having a kid and stuff like that, you know, just a lot of stuff says like, you know, the girls love me or like, you know, future, like future player, or just like obnoxious things that like indicate that this being that is of months old has some kind of sexual backing to their growth process. I don't even know. Like it's just, it's very 
very interesting how we do that and like why we do that. I mean, even like when we have little girls and then fathers who are like playing with their little girls, like just actually like playing and hanging out and you know what I mean? Like we think like, oh, that's interesting. You know what I mean? And we just have this inclination that our children are thinking like we are. You know what I mean? But then the same people say like, well, your eight-year-old could never know they were gay or your six-year-old could never know they were trans. And it's like, yeah, but they know that they're flirting with Becky, the cash register lady. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, it's, it's always grossed me out when I see things like that. You know what I mean? Those onesies, those little t-shirts. I just, I don't think it sets that child up for a good future with their relationship and their like relationship with their sexuality when they do get older. Hmm. You're. I think you're right. Yeah. Thank you. About it, uh, the shirts. I. They make me feel gross. The shirts for sure. Right. I hadn't really thought about why. So thank you for. But even like that. Ruby has a shirt that says "My dad can fix anything," which is a hand me down. Which is a hand me down. Penelope wore too. But it's what's also- interesting? But but what's interesting about it <laughs> is like even for say. my. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. But it's like <laughs> I can't fix everything. Right? <laughs> I can fix, I can fix things, but like when I think about that and what goes through my head when I read that on myself to be like, oh, I should know how to fix everything. Mm. Like this is legit self-talk conversation that happens, and I'm like, oh, I should know how to fix everything. But then I'm like, well, I don't know how to fix everything, so it's fine. But it, mm. the initial thing is it comes in is that is it's coming to my head more than a few times. Wow, yeah. we can totally give that shirt to Goodwill. <laughs> Number one. Or some puff paint, then add my dad and mom can fix everything. (laughs) My dad and mom can fix some things. Yes, there you go. I I would just get a new one and be like, my dad can call the plumber. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's yes. That's what it's My dad (laughs) crushes it at outsourcing. Right. There it is. That's the mother. That's the future right there. Ruby for our kids. There you go. (laughs) I think that's really interesting that you just shared that that actually that brings up some self-talk for you as a man, which I did not know. You didn't think it. You I see that t-shirt. I think it's cute. And I will say, I'm just, you know, full transparency. I really enjoy being like the identity of being married to a man because my construct of what masculinity is, who really can fix most things. Mm-hmm. And so like, I identify with that t-shirt. So that's interesting. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like different stories, right? We bring our own, inner, like our own pasts and our own histories and our own thoughts to things we read and see. And that's why one thing could be super offensive to one person and the other person's like, I don't even get it, you know? And I think that's like a reality in the world today is that we need to have more of the ability to hold two truths at once that might be opposite. So like you could have had the best date of your night of your life. Like this was so great. You got a kiss at the end. It was awesome. And then she could go home and be like, Oh my God, like he was so aggressive. Like at the end, I just kissed him because I was like, get off of me. Like I want this date to end. And we need to be able to know that like both of those things could be true. You know what I mean? Like he really could have not known and really didn't, was unaware that he was being aggressive and he thought that it went great and she didn't let him know. And, and she was unaware that he didn't know he was being aggressive. So I just think it's, it's important that these days we really have the ability to hold two things at once, um, which can feel really difficult and is really hard to do. But I think the more we do it, the more we can have more understanding of just like 
other people's realities, you know, and that they, mm-hmm. they do affect how we see our day-to-day life, how you're raised and what you're going through and your own personal struggles, you know? Totally. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. So I want to circle back to the question that I had asked before, before we got on this actually fascinating vignette. <laughs> so what is it like for you sharing your feelings publicly, especially when sometimes people don't agree with them, when that hasn't always maybe been your experience? Although it seems it probably has, because you've been doing this on YouTube for years. But just what's yeah. it like for you? <laughs> Well, I, you know, and, and when I was doing it on YouTube, you know, it wasn't, I don't know, it just didn't feel as loudspeaker-ish. Because YouTube, when we were on YouTube, It was I a mean, small community. Yeah, I'm yeah. still on YouTube, but when you were on YouTube, like, if you got 300 views, you were like, Whoa. oh my God, 300 people just saw that video. Like, it was shocking. Yeah. There was no such thing as making money off YouTube. People weren't YouTube stars. There was no... You know, it, it was it wasn't the search engine that it is now. Right. Okay. So that yeah, just the preface to that. So I think the hate was more like less because nobody knew where the hell you were. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It it honestly it just it feels like a death. You know, I feel like all parts of me that would never have been caught dead on a platform speaking out, you know, like I was like a quiet child, you know, like I preferred not to speak in front of the class, you know? So I really feel like it, it's part of my soul contract with Aiden, you know, like my soul journey specifically with Aiden to like, he is sort of giving me this opportunity to heal this part within myself that doesn't feel worthy of being heard, being seen, you know, and so it's very much a healing process every single day. It's excruciating at times to emotionally process what comes up when, while I'm doing this, and it's really, really empowering at the same time. And so, you know, being able to go through that, feel the feelings, talk it out, and then also feel empowered, you know, that's, that's great to me. You know, it just feels really difficult at times. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not, you know, it's not like something you ask for a lot of times. Yeah. Or at least I didn't ask for it. If you would have told the old me, right? Like before I met Aiden, like in 10 years, you're going to be like, you know, speaking out about your opinions on a public platform and, you know, this many thousand people are going to see it. I would have laughed and like said, okay, I'll see you later, you know? (laughs) So it just, you know, you kind of, you get what you need in life. You don't Mm -hmm. get what you want. Like you, cause what you, what you think you want is just like a safety net anyways. So I think, you know, we both get what we need through this relationship. Get what you need. (laughs) I'm curious. Obviously, like you guys, I mean, I, I think all couples have a soul contract and obviously you, you do. And so from a working perspective, though, I'm curious, you don't, do you not, you don't directly work together, right? You each have your own separate businesses. Right. Although they have been meshing more and more. Um, yeah. So Antler came along and he was like, everything changed. Yeah. He was like, you guys are going to work together. Like we've had so many ideas uh since antler's been born there's just been like idea after idea like coming up 
like almost like at the bat, like ready to swing. And we're like, wait, is this right? And we've just right. been questioning everything. And so right. really been getting a lot of medicine from, you know, your podcast, like the year end review thing sounds amazing because we just feel all over the place. Like, <laughs> you know, we're just, we have so much to offer and so many great ideas individually, but we're, we know, and we've been shown time after time that we do really well together as right. a team as well. Um, we just haven't been able to market that and we don't know what, what that would look like or, mm -hmm. you know, so we're just like showing up to the call to do that more, but we don't know the next steps. So mm -hmm. we're just trying to be patient with that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you do have, I mean, obviously you have chemistry because you're married, but <laughs> like a, well, there's a lot of people that are married. That well, are okay. Good point. You do have a good married chemistry, but also just in, in speaking, like yeah. in this, you know, quote unquote professional setting, <laughs> um, there is something there. So yeah. I mean, not yeah. that you need any confirmation, but like <laughs> there's some, no, we appreciate it. Cause we, yeah. we tend to, to question too right. much. Yes. So yes. yeah, we tend to question not enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's something we're learning. As we're slow it down. How has like, how has your business kind of evolved over the last five, six, seven years? I guess I'll speak to Aiden and then see right. how like this is all coming together. Right. So, I mean, I started YouTube and everything 10 years ago and I was actually a cake decorator at kind of, as we mentioned slightly earlier, I said baker, but I was cake decorating to be more specific. And I, you know, I really didn't, my dream was I was going to be like the next Duff from uh, Ace of Cakes <laughs> on Food Network. That was my dream. I wanted to like make dope cakes that like spit fire and spun around and you could eat them. Like that was my dream. And I was going in that direction and I actually was excelling quite well for being somebody who, you know, was like, I was like, I was flunking out of college and I got a lot of bad grades in high school. I, I wasn't in the stereotypical type of learner that I think the education system has right now. And then when I get to, went to baking school, I like finished second in my class and everything like kind of changed in my mind. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm actually not stupid. I just, you know, don't, you know, don't learn in the way that they teach me. So yeah, so I was doing some advocacy work just as I was cake decorating. And then pretty much after Men's Health, I decided to take a job at a, at actually as managing a real, a real resale, resale shop. Thank you. <laughs> a resale shop, which is like a, like a, you know, fancy goodwill type of thing, you know? And I was doing that because of my clothing company, uh, which we were mentioning earlier because of 0.5 CC. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm making some money off of this clothing company and then I'm subsidizing the rest through this, you know, working as a manager at this other company. And then, you know, with Alan and just everything that kind of happened, I started like actually being like, oh, like maybe I shouldn't just do everything for free. Like maybe I should actually charge services. And like, I started doing that. And that started taking off for me. And so I would still speak at colleges and medical facilities and businesses and stuff like that about trans inclusion, just my own personal story, you know, whatever is kind of going on for that event or conference. And so I started kind of, I finally got to an opportunity where I was able to work full time in advocacy and have my clothing company. And so, you know, my business is 
really hard to explain because it's not something that was around five years ago. You know, I mean, doing social media, getting sponsorship deals, brand deals, you know, just traveling and speaking and on a transgender topics, which weren't being talked about five, six years ago. It honestly has left me at slightly at a loss to explain what my business is. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, what do you do for work? And so I just say trans activist. And I don't know what people even think when I say that. Like, I don't know if they're like, okay, great. You know what I mean? And they just assume like, I must make some type of money because I have clothes and like, you know what I mean? Like we're here and we have a car, so we must have paid for something. Um, but like, I, I don't really, <laughs> I don't know what they, what they actually know if that, what that means, you know? So, yeah. So, I mean, my business is really has underground like that I've been digging and learning is, has just been me telling my story and really trying to open up. Like we were talking about vulnerability earlier, like just allowing me being vulnerable just allows other people to be vulnerable. And sometimes to heal other people and ourselves, it's just about being acknowledged. It's just an acknowledgement. Like sometimes you don't even have to go back till you, when you were five and go over this trauma, like sometimes just acknowledging like, Oh, wow. Like you, like you even were saying Mike, like, wow. Like when I read that shirt, like it actually does trigger something in me. Like I actually do get like something comes up in me. You know what I mean? And just talking about that stuff, it just has opened so many doors for me. And you know, that's why I'm like, I call it honesty. Some people call it vulnerability. It just, I don't know how to not do it. As Jane Lee said, like, I don't know how to keep my mouth closed pretty much. So I just have to say it. I just, like, I'm the guy when everyone's like, oh, okay, everyone said we're going to go eat at this place. And I'll be like, I actually don't want to eat there. Like, I know we all want to go, but I don't want to. Can't we just find a place we all want to go? You know what I mean? I'm that annoying person. Um, but yeah, so my business is, you know, I was supposed to be a baker, kind of turned activist because of my passion for letting people know that trans people exist for letting people know that like we're worthy of, of jobs and healthcare and being happy and families and pursuing our dream. You know what I mean? And visibility. Yeah. Visibility and, and just trying to fight for the rights of trans people. You know, I don't really do a lot of political stuff. I do a lot of like internal work in the trans community because I feel like we can change policy all we want. I mean, it's it is important that we do change the policies we have about protections and rights for trans people. But I think the more we can encourage and spark the fire within trans people of their own worthiness and really get them to see that being trans doesn't actually hinder them from anything, except you might have to go alone at certain things. And, and that, that will only make you stronger. I really feel like that, you know, the resilience that trans people have is one that has been unmet in the world today. The amount of intersectionalities that trans people have and the, you know, suffering that they go through, yet so many are happy and have gotten through those hurdles and been able to find themselves and start a business or get the job or start the family. I feel like that's what my work is now is to really just tell cis people that we exist and we deserve rights and tell trans people that they deserve to be happy and that they are no less due to their transness of a human being or a citizen or, you know, and I really feel like that's the most empowering thing I think I can do personally for trans people. And I try to do that through being open and honest about my own struggles so that maybe other people who might be hindered in their life because of their struggles can 
find some validation, some clarity, and possibly just be able to, you know, kind of put that pain down and, and move, move past it. So good. That was great. Thank you. That was great. So we're working on a business plan for that. Right. So if you have a business plan on how well, to get all of that into something. You know, just says, Aiden, you know it's like, ahead. where are Aiden's like weaknesses, right? And genuinely, that's where you fit in. Right. So, like, what is he not good at? I'm not good at self-promotion. Like, I'm not good at being like, hey, my name is Aiden Dowling. You should hire me and pay me money for yeah. things. Yeah, he's, he's healed so much, but he, he has trouble asking people for money. Period. Yeah. Period. Or Doesn't matter, like, like, if it's for, like, something that's valid to receive money for, like, he just, right. yeah. Well, I'm yeah. always, like, people, he just wants to give back to the community, and I'm, like, yes, and we, we have to live. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 No, totally. Totally. And then, generally, if you were to say, like, what's your superpower as it relates to your career, what would you, what would you highlight? Intuition. Yeah. 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 I am very much in the, the feminine energy and trying to harness my masculine energy in order to, you know, bring it to my business, our business, whatever, whatever that's going to look <laughs> like. Is. Because yeah, I just, for years, I was a therapist. That's what I did after I graduated from MSW school. I worked with eating disorders. I worked with the elderly. I worked with LGBT, specifically transgender clients for a while. And then I kind of started, I ended up like getting fired and taking an energy healing class that changed my life and then started my business using that specific tool, which is spiritual response therapy. And, you know, up until I had antler, I was doing that full time and working with people around the world over, you know, Zoom or FaceTime and, you know, just sort of offering this gift. And it brings me alive. I, I get a lot of joy and feel really empowered doing it. Um, and since having a baby, I don't have as much energy for it and everything has flipped upside down. And if I'm lucky, I can, you know, spend some time, you know, doing some family healing for us, but, um, seeing clients isn't happening the way that it was. I thought that it would. And so everything literally is flipped upside down and we're like, we need a business plan. Right, right. <laughs> what are we doing? You know, like, so I do a lot um, with helping, you know, with like brand deals and different things that we do, um, mm-hmm. getting sponsorships and that sort of stuff. But there's a lot of question marks for us right now. And I think, you know, just being able to name that, like, that's where we're struggling feels like the biggest work. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Right. I, and I just want to add that I think that you genuinely have the gift of seeing people's potential. Mm, like yes. Jane Lee is yeah. very good at seeing the potential in people mm-hmm. and it, even if they can't see it. And then I think, you know, through your intuition and through your energy work, you're able to, you know, see that end goal of where that person really truly is inside and kind of help navigate them as best you can. I mean, you can only do so much, but help navigate them closer to that. You know what I mean? At least that's what you've done for me and what you've done for so many other people that I know personally. And then I've just read like people who email you and stuff like that. So I think that's like a very key piece of what you offer people. Cause yeah. Baby. Yeah. That that means a lot. Yeah. That feels, yeah, that feels right. Mm -hmm. So good. Well, I also just really want to honor you both for, 
like being able to own your gifts and also be honest about the fact that like there are a lot of question marks because so many of us I think feel pressure to show up with it all wrapped up in a pretty package with a bow and right. like done and right. that's a lie because yes. we're done <laughs> right. so thank you for telling the truth of really, course we really appreciate it and, um, yeah. yeah i feel like it's i was just gonna say that like the other thing too is like we're still thriving and still growing so it's like you don't as you said like it doesn't have to be a pretty perfect bow like it can be crinkly but that's still, it's still a bow it still sticks to the present it still has the thing it's not perfect but it works and i think that's you know a lot of people are hindered from going after their dreams because as you said they think it has to be this perfect thing, just like it's got to be the top of the line or I'm not going to do it. And it's like, you know, you're, you're, you got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for this conversation. It was really beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for having us. To find you and connect. So uh, you can, you can book me for speaking gigs uh, at aidendowling.com. I do spell. Hold on, hold on. Paid speaking speaking gigs. gigs. Right, right. Paid. Right, right. Uh, At Aiden Dowling. And you can just pretty much look up my name on all the platforms and you'll see, uh, you'll be able to find me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, But I will say, spell my name funky. So make sure you look at the show notes. It is spelled A-Y-D-I-A-N. So uh, get confused and then get educated and learn how to spell my name and then you'll find me. (laughs) And also your clothing line. Right. And my clothing line. uh, Yes. uh, Thank you. See, I'm not good at pitching myself. Clothing line, which is not just for trans people and allies. It's just positive, inspirational clothing. And we do have, you know, some parts are more geared towards trans people, but that is 0.5cc spelt out P-O-I-N-T, the number five, the letter C-C dot com. Thank you. And what does that mean? 0.5 cc is the average amount of hormones that a transgender man would take to keep up their uh, physical transition. So that's what I take every week. That is what I was going to guess. Right. Yeah. What about you, Jenny Lee? You can find me at readings by Jenny Lee on Instagram. That's J-E-N-I-L-E-E. Not two ends, one end. We just got funky names up in here. And we will put all the links in the show notes so people can come find you directly. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's amazing. Thank you. You You're amazing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. And Antler was a total rock star. Yeah. (laughs) Right? I mean, talk about a podcasting baby. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime. Thank you for coming. Bye bye. Bye bye. The way you spend your days turns out to be what your life ends up being. If you want to live a life that you absolutely love, one of the most powerful and important things you need to be doing is planning your week. I created a free weekly do less planner for you based on the planning ritual that I've been doing for the past three years that has helped us to massively increase our revenue while working less and having less stress. So head over to katenorthup.com forward slash list to get your weekly do less planner for free. katenorthup.com forward slash list.